What is up? And welcome in to another edition of Post Loons. I'm Jeremy Rushing here to break down Minnesota United's 1-1 draw at FC Dallas. And helping me do so is Eli Hoff, E Pluribus Lunum, and uh, doing a whole plethora of things down in uh, in Columbia, Missouri right now. So, uh, Eli, I know you're all the way down there, but I appreciate you taking the time to uh, help me break down some Minnesota United soccer here. No, absolutely happy to be on. I may be down here, but I'm watching the games anyway. Now I feel like I have an even better reason to be sitting in my apartment um, on a on a beautiful summer evening watching Minnesota United. Now at least I get to talk about it. It's a yeah, lot of fun. Absolutely. And also yeah. I gotta say, I you you had the salad before when we talked, and now you have the stash to match. So uh, you really got the full look going. How long has this been uh how long has this been kind of how long how long have you been at this? Well, yeah, so I I, I started messing with the hair back in in January, I think I decided, let's go blonde, let's see what happens. Mm-hmm. And I stuck with it until literally last night. This hair was done last night. I went to a, a dark color. It's called um it's called dark mushroom, I think. I'm not I'm not really like a huge dying hair person. And so I felt like with the darker hair, you know, no go to you just you have to go just stash on the Absolutely. darker hair. It's um, perfect. Yeah. So so that's the look for right now. It might be different next week. Um, you know, we'll we'll see, but but it's it's a look at the moment. You got to be creative with these sorts of things. Got to have a little fun. And you got the two pieces too. It's not the connective yeah. stash. It's that perfect two piece nope. stash that sort yeah. of curls out. I love it. I love yeah. it. It's it's happening. I'm I'm proud of it. I'm really proud of it. It's one of probably top ten best accomplishments in life. Maybe there you go. Maybe love it. I haven't made the list, but it might be on there. <laughs> I would have to imagine. Hey, if I could grow out a stash like that and, <laughs> and have the, have the hair like that, it would be in my top five for sure. Uh, we're not okay. here to break down hairstyles and facial hair, though. We are here to break down the 1-1 draw from Minnesota United tonight in Dallas. Um, being that there was a three-week layoff, there was a lot of time for us to kind of develop these these questions in our mind about what this was going to be like. Obviously, Franco Fragapane uh, was always going to kind of make his debut tonight. Um, and and you have the Robin Lode and Jan Gregush and Juka Raitala all out on international duties. So what that squad was going to look like. So before we get into our three things, we're actually going to start with some of those pregame questions that we had and sort of how those were answered throughout the match tonight. Um, so my first pregame question was kind of also the top thing that they had on the uh, the keys to the game um, on the Bally Sports North broadcast tonight was, will this squad be more rusty from the layoff or more refreshed after some time off? I think in the early going, we definitely saw more more of the refreshed than the rusty. Uh, this this squad looked like they were shot out of a cannon in the first, you know, for, basically for the whole first half. Led to that opening goal to put them up one nil at halftime. Um, so that was really encouraging to see. But then that obviously led to the follow up question: Can they keep it up? And they also answered that question as well. Yeah, this game started off really, really intense with, I guess that makes sense with both these teams having that layoff. But I, I had those question marks coming in. I, I, I think there were a lot of question marks about this because Minnesota United just hadn't looked great. And neither had Dallas for the record. You know, these are two teams that really, really needed this break. And so that was interesting to see that they both seemed to del, gel decently coming mm-hmm. into this. But starting off fast too, you know, it looked like two teams that, hadn't played a game in three weeks and had spent maybe some time without the ball working on fitness in there. Uh, you know, we'll talk about a little bit what happened specifically at the beginning, but there were definitely question marks regarding chemistry and just what the kind of overall philosophy would look like. And I think both teams showed that even with changes to the lineup and some new personnel, they could come out intense and make it work. 
Yeah, I think we saw maybe kind of the 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 flip side of that play out where yeah, you're rusty from not maybe the idea the initial thought is that you would be rusty from not playing in 3 weeks, but also this squad, this 11, this 18 whoever, they've had 3 weeks to sort of get together and get in and and gel together, right? Especially when you have new pieces in like Adrian Unu and and Franco Fragapane having that practice time together consistently over a 3 week period and then kind of being able to put that same uh, same core group of people out onto the pitch in a match, I mean, we saw a lot of cohesiveness there. So there is kind of the flip side of that where the potential is there for that gelling because you've had that time on the pitch together in practice all this time. No, absolutely. I think, I'm not sure if this is how either of these teams looked at it, but but from the external perspective, I think you can kind of look at it as a sort of secondary preseason, right? Mm-hmm. That it's another chance to work on the fitness things. It's a chance for guys to get healed up too if there were any knocks. But when you bring in two new attackers, which can completely change a system like we saw it tonight, that's mm-hmm. really, really important for building the chemistry. And so that's where we really didn't see Rusty. We just saw well-prepared because in a normal situation, you might see these guys come into the first team and just sort of be thrown in as soon as, you know, the visa and the quarantine's done. And, you know, they've had a few days to at least learn everybody's name. So it's not the awkward uh, number seven, cross it to me, right? Like, yeah, once you get past that point, you might see these guys normally integrated into the first team. And that can be awkward. Just because, you know, the, the chemistry isn't there yet. It's developing on the field. So we've seen the chemistry instead develop for three weeks and then move on to the field. I, I think, like I said, I think both teams really, really benefited from this break happening when it did. And, and we saw that with how really seamless for both Minnesota and Dallas, those kind of new arrivals were in all of this. Yeah, and I think that leads to the second question here, which is would Robin Lode and Jan Gregush's absence be felt? Uh, because these are two, obviously, with them being quality enough to go and play in the Euros for their international squads, two of the biggest pieces for this Minnesota United squad, uh, with Robin Lude on the wing and Jan Gregush in that defensive midfield. Um, and I, I don't necessarily think the absence was felt. Maybe in the second half, you're missing Gregush there in the defensive midfield, kind of providing some stability. Uh, I think there was some sloppiness that maybe he could have uh, mitigated with his presence on the field that, you know, that may have led to those uh, th- those chances for FC Dallas and eventual goal for Dallas. But I really think specifically in the attacking third, this team really did not seem to miss a beat without one of its key attackers in the lineup. No, it, it really didn't. And I, and I think even if Robin Lud was with the team in this situation, I'm not sure we really would have seen him. You know, maybe, maybe he would have started on the right instead of Nico Hansen. I'm not sure, but... You know, Fragapane was always going to be the starting left winger here. Adrian Uno was always going to be the starting striker here. Um, you know, I think he would have just maybe been sort of an impact sub, which would have been fine. But I, I don't think, you know, there was there was no part of this game where I was watching and thinking, dang, really missing out on Robin Lid right now. That's yeah. not a knock on who he is. He's a good player. Yeah, absolutely. I just, you know, Minnesota United didn't miss him. Now, Jan Gregus, they did miss him a lot, mm-hmm. I think, because when I look at that midfield three, and we can dive into this more later, you know, Will Trapp, who I'll talk about over and over on this show, was fantastic. Shikori Hayes had lots of good moments. Hassani Dotson did what he kind of tends to do in these four three threes, which is disappear. Mm-hmm. And I think Jan Gregus, that wouldn't have quite happened. He's just, he fits so well into this system and is so vital to some of these possessions that I, I do think Jan was missed tonight. But he's having a good time with the Euros, so who are we to... Yeah, to absolutely. Absolutely. Good. Yeah, I mean... 
I mean, I think all of us are kind of rooting for Finland and Slovakia to kind of, you know, go as far as they possibly can and 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 get as much out of that experience as they can, because that's only going to help them when they come back uh, from Minnesota United as well. Um, so on the flip side of missing pieces, obviously this allows guys to really have opportunities and seize those opportunities. I thought my my biggest question when I saw the lineup was, Will a guy like Nico Hansen really be able to take advantage of this opportunity? He's had minimal minutes leading into this. Obviously, he had a huge goal uh, last time out um, against RSL, but he really hadn't had that extended match time. And I think had he not been injured in the early part of the season, he definitely would have maybe been that left-wing starter um, uh, up to that point. But uh, tonight, he gets an opportunity, and to me, he looked excellent. I mean, we talked about that attacking three looking really good with with Bragapane, Unu, and Hansen. Uh, Hansen normally a left winger playing out on the right tonight, and I, I think he looked he looked fantastic. I was really really pleased with his performance on the ball, off the ball, all the way he jumped with the rest of the attacking uh, the attacking uh, presence for Minnesota United. Um, very very just, just huge shout out for Nico Hansen. I thought he I thought he was awesome tonight. Yeah, I thought he was really really good, and, and what actually struck me. You know, I'd seen Hansen on the field before in games. He looked massive tonight, like just physically yeah. big. And I looked it up and Agreed. he's 5'10", I think 170, which isn't that big, but that's pretty big for a winger. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's interesting how he fits into the, the part of the game plan tonight, which seemed to be win the ball high up the field. And actually, mm-hmm. I looked at this stat up. Going into this game, Minnesota United was fourth in the league in pressures in the attacking third. So the number of times they tried to take the ball off the other team while they were in Minnesota's attacking third, that team's defensive third. And that's really interesting because we saw even more of that tonight with a higher success rate. Um, and, and I think Nico Hansen is part of that because he's a big body guy who can take the ball off people on the wing there. And that's kind of an advantage for that game plan. He still brings the the speed. He still brings the mm-hmm. passing ability and kind of what you want out of a winger. He's just a little bit bigger while he's doing it. And that was an interesting combination that I found myself liking. He, checked all the boxes and then I think added a little bit as far as what the game plan does. So I'm, yeah. I'm in favor of more Nico Hansen on the right wing going forward. Um, you know, obviously Robin Lud is a known quantity. He's fine there. Um, Ethan Finley's, you know, been, been really struggling a lot since I think the MLS is back mm-hmm. tournament around, you know, I guess gosh, that was around this time last year, wasn't it? Yeah, um, it was. Yeah. So, you know, he's, he's had a rough 365 ish days since. And so I, I, if Nico Hansen is the starting right winger, I think I'm happy watching this from an outside perspective. We'll we'll get to this more when we get to our observations, but you mentioned Ethan Finley. I mean, he got the time he got tonight, he took full advantage of too. Looked excellent yeah. on the on the right wing and in, in his time there. And maybe that kind of is his role moving forward, sort of that spark plug uh energy guy you can bring off the bench when you need it, because that is I guess we can go fully into this now. That is what he, that is what he brings. That is like the one thing, the one kind of uh I don't know if it's an intangible or a tangible. To me, it's kind of a mix of the both. Just that immediate energy, that immediate spark when he's on the field. It's hard to keep that for 75, 80 minutes when you're in the starting 11. But when you can be thrown in the 50th, 55th, 60th minute and just put in a hard half hour and put your team in good goal scoring opportunities like we saw tonight, that is where I think Ethan Finley can be a huge asset to this team moving forward without really having to change anything in his game. No, I, I totally agree with that. And I think that was kind of the concern that when he was spread out across a full game in a starting situation, he would kind of disappear for moments during the game. And, and that's not what you want out of any player on the field, really, especially a winger. But when you bring him off the bench, 
it does a lot of things. One, he just does bring that speed and energy, which is kind of his game. You know, I think of him as good on the ball, but he's not, you know, he's not a 95th plus percentile passer or a cross mm-hmm. or anything like that. It's a lot of energy and also leadership too. You know, I, I don't try to speculate about too much that goes on in the locker room or anything like that. But when I think about my time covering the team and being in the locker room after the games and in press conferences and interviews during the week, there are two players who I want on my team in a, you know, in a close game down the stretch for motivation, leadership purposes. One is Ozzy Alonso because he's scary. I would never want to mess up in front of Ozzy. That would be terrible. <laughs> two would be Ethan Finley because he's like, he's just that type of gel guy who's just easy to play with. And is that kind of encouraging force who like, he, that's what he does. He's the perfect impact sub. So I, I love that combination of being able to bring him off the bench. I think he showed it tonight with energy, some creation, you know, some good looks. It's a good situation for him. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's transition now into our three things, kind of three big takeaways from this match. Good, bad, whatever. Um, Eli, since I kind of went with my pregame questions, I'll let you start with the three things. What's your first? All right. Well, my three form kind of a narrative here. Um, okay. My first one is that Will Trapp is a sexy man. That's sexy with an eye. <laughs> um, it was it was something I haven't seen from Will Trapp yet this year and was honestly concerned. I was wondering if he had lost this part of the game, of his game, I should say, his personal skill set. Will Trapp can play as a number six and did tonight. He filled the Ozzy Alonso role until Ozzy Alonso came in and things got messed mm-hmm. up. We'll talk about that in, in my third thing here. But, you know, I was... I. I was clipping the game and tweeting some of the clips. I have another like five clips that I didn't tweet that were just Will Trap doing cool number six things that mm. nobody else finds cool except for me. Probably, <laughs> if you want those, hit me up on Twitter. I'll send you. I'll send you the uh, the Will Trap sixty tapes. Uh, we'll call Love it that. Yes, but he was he was dropping in between the center backs. Awesome. That's what Ozzy did, and that's what wasn't happening before this mm-hmm. international Agreed. break, whatever you want to call it. I remember on post loons, I said this, I think multiple times, I felt like I was beating a dead horse at a certain point that the Aussie play wasn't happening and Will Trapp did that tonight. And it was beautiful. He was covering guys. There's a sequence. He ended up getting called for a handball on it, but where he did help defense for Chase Gasper, which is exactly what Chase Gasper needs sometimes. So yeah. that was just phenomenal. I thought Will Trapp was fantastic there. So he was part of an actual visible game plan that worked. And that's a big distinction again from the first chunk of the season there were times where it felt like 2017 18 even a little bit of 19 minnesota where you watched the game and you were like i don't know if i could write down what the game plan was or pin down a tactical identity Mm -hmm. you know whereas last year you really couldn't and you could tonight it was different it was a lot of recover the ball in some little bit higher up area Mm -hmm. eras with areas with kind of a not not a, a it was like a selective press i don't know i have thoughts on what the defensive system was but recover it dribble it, send a low through ball or low cross and put a shot on there and get some secondary runs as well and crash the goal. It's it's literally what played out in, in Minnesota United's goal. We can break that down, but there was a game plan and it worked and Will Trapp was part of that. And that game plan worked until it didn't, which I think was substitution brought on because, you know, Dallas came out and, and were the better team through just about all of the second half. They had a little bit more energy right out of the mm-hmm. game and were getting those opportunities. But as soon as the subs came in for Minnesota United, it went downhill fast. You know, as soon as those subs came in, it seemed like they were trying to bunker. And it was just pretty early in a one-goal game to be bunkering, I think. Mm -hmm. And the bunker seemed to throw off the defensive system more than it helped. So I think the substitutions, you know, we all all are like, Adrian Heath, use your substitutions. Use them, use them, use them. I think 
tonight's performance could be ammo for him being like, hey, y'all, I used all the subs, and I think it hurt the team tonight. Maybe I shouldn't use them. So there's definitely an element of sometimes trust the guys you have on the pitch. Fatigue could have been a factor, but I do think the conditioning seemed pretty good. You know, nobody seems super gassed. Um, and I and I don't think it was as hot as it could be in Frisco, Texas on a on a June mm-hmm. night. So so yeah, those are my my three takeaways. Well, trap was good. The game plan was there, and the game plan worked until it didn't. This is sort of like a like a skeptical question, I guess. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, Minnesota United has been blessed with excellent backline and goalkeeping play for the last two seasons, where they could get a lead and they could bunker. And it was a brick wall, and they'd be able to come out with a one nil, two one win. This team, I think, is built differently. But when you look at what Adrian Heath and what we've kind of been accustomed to seeing, is Heath sort of unnecessarily falling back on that identity and that mindset? Like, okay, we got a lead, we can bunker down. When really, this team with the quality in the attack, I almost feel like the attack is their best defense. In this scenario, if you keep your foot on the gas and you keep pushing, that's that's your best way to keep the other team off the board. Uh, but it just seems like they're really kind of falling back, and especially in second halves when they're up at halftime, to just, hey, let's sit back on our heels, let's bunker down, let's get 10 behind the ball, and let's just try to park the bus and win this match 1-0. Um, are you seeing that at all? Are you seeing any different in, any difference in that? And what are your overall thoughts on that kind of concept? Yeah, I, I definitely think it's different. One, because there's no Ike Opara, who he, you know, he wasn't really there last year. So it, it wasn't like there's a big shift from last year to this year as far as that goes. But, you know, when you have one of the best center backs in MLS, like that helps with the whole bunkering thing. And, and the boxing box will form a great tan and they're fine. Um, but I think it does put more stress on, especially when, if you've got uncertainty at the number six position, when you've got a little bit of a vulnerability with Chase Gasper, you know, he was, he was good tonight and he, his, Better situation tends to be those one-on-ones uh, when he's not having to get so far forward in attack when he can just kind of sit back and defend. So I don't think bunkering is bad for this team. I think it was a situation where the substitutions didn't line up right. So when Ozzy came on, that brought on two number sixes, which I'm trying to think of any example in soccer of a team deliberately lining up two defensive midfielders. Mm-hmm. Other than, you know, a team that was literally going to park 10 behind the ball the whole time. And even then, I can't think of specific examples. That, I think, is confusing for a defensive system to all of a sudden go from one number six to two. Because the number six, you know, that role is so, it's it's health defense. It's filling in places. It's just being a little bit of everywhere. And you saw on the goal that Dallas scored, Ozzy Alonso sitting kind of in no man's land where there's an interception that he, he like, probably could have gone for but didn't really go for. And so he was just there. And then he could have helped on a runner, but he like tracked back a little bit, didn't really fully commit. And then that put Debassi in an awkward situation where then he got his hips all turned around and then he's, you know, two yards off the ball. And, and that's enough for a, a great shot. It was a great combination play, but it was an awkward defensive setup from Minnesota United there. And that's where I think the subs contributed to it that normally this team might've been able to bunker, but for a few minutes there, the defensive system was all out of whack. And that happened to be when Dallas scored because then after, once uh, once Will Trapp got subbed off and Reynoso came in, I, the system kind of stabilized there again, and, and it looked largely fine for the rest of the game. So so, yeah, I, it was just a little bit of awkwardness that I think kind of kind of hurt the team here. 
All right, that was, those were Eli's three things. Before we get into mine, got to do a little housekeeping here. When we get, we get into these conversations, Eli, and I always forget to kind of do this stuff I have to do off the top. So if you have a question or comment on the match, please go ahead and drop it in the chat, whether you're on YouTube or whether you're on Twitter. Go ahead and leave your question or comments to be read on the air. If you are watching on YouTube, please click thumbs up. Um, that's actually huge. And then if you want to be notified whenever 10,000 pitches drops a new video on YouTube, go ahead and tap that bell for notifications as well. But again, we want to get those questions and comments from you guys. We want to kind of respond to what you guys are thinking and hear what you guys are thinking on the 1-1 draw tonight in Dallas. So my three things. First, Franco Fragapane is as advertised. Um, I tweeted the video of the goal and Alex McCracken from the Dummy Run podcast said, these are the types of goals that Fragapane scores. He is a He has a nose for the ball. He's always first in the box. If there's any situation where a loose ball is going to find him, you know, going to going to find his feet, he's going to put him in the back of the net. That's exactly what we saw on that goal. Also, uh, extra shout out to Adrian Unu for the excellent curling shot that led to the rebound. Um, curling away from the keeper um, was not an easy shot for for Moore to uh, to to handle, uh, which led to that rebound for Fragapane. Um, but um, that is my first thing. I think Franco, Fra- Franco Fragapane was kind of touted as this sort of, not necessarily like a savior, that's a little too much, but kind of the guy that would really fill that left wing gap that has been gaping for Minnesota United early on in the season. That was kind of the, the one position that everybody looked at like, this is this, we have, we have to get this filled. Without Kevin Molino here, we are we're garbage. So we got to, we got, we got to get this, we got to get this filled. And so Fragapane is the guy and it's, it only makes sense that he was the one to score 36 minutes into his debut. Um, my second thing, the defense could not have been more on their heels in the second half prior to that Pepe equalizer. Uh, we kind of already touched a lot on that as to kind of the mindset of sitting back after going up one nil. Um, it was just, it was a matter of time. And in, in my opinion, the way the, the second half was playing out, for those first, you know, 15, 20 minutes. And then my final thing, Eli, is you mentioned the subs kind of, uh, you know, working against Minnesota United in the second half, but all five subs were used for Minnesota United, which is a little bit of a change from what we're used to seeing from Adrian Heath. Um, obviously, playing in the heat is probably a factor. The run of play in the second half was probably a huge factor in terms of getting all those subs on the field as well. Um, we saw Juan Agadello at the end of the match. We saw Reynoso for... Uh, you know, half an hour or so had two A plus chances that he just completely missed on both. Uh, we'll get to those in a little bit, but um, yeah, all five su- subs used uh, from Adrian Heath. Um, so that was something that really stood out for me. Um, so those are my three things. Eli, anything to say off of those? Yeah, actually, I want I want to talk about Fragapane because I was really really impressed with him as well. Um, what was so important for me was the runs that he was making and i'm a big off ball movement guy when i look at the attacking phase of the game and he kept making these secondary runs you know later in the play runs where normally you know you have your striker and maybe another guy up i'm especially with my hands now as if people can really see it when they listen to the podcast but you know he's you have your striker who's kind of pushing the line and usually that results in some space in right behind them that you can swing through come in through and I remember talking to uh, to Mason Toy about this a while ago um, after he'd scored a goal on a rebound. And I asked him, you know, are those runs being in that position? Is that kind of a board man gets paid situation where you're literally getting the boards, they're getting the rebounds? And he said, yeah, like it, it is. And you saw Fragapane, he had a couple chances follow him, and then he scores 
in that exact situation. That's what led to the goal. And those runs are so valuable because defenders tend not to tend to not track them perfectly. You know, if you're a defender, you see the shot go in and you kind of, you turn for a second. You want to see the shot. You want to know if you've been scored on. You want to know what's going to happen with the rebound, where it's going to go, what's going to shake out. So then if you're the attacker who's, you know, not really ball watching, but just kind of charges, you can get a step or two, get yeah. a run. You can freely position yourself to get in front of that rebound and get a good touch and get a good shot on it. So those are those runs are so difficult to handle and, and really easy for attacking players to make. It doesn't take a whole lot of effort or like you just, you know, crash the box when there's a shot. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you can't have everyone do it. You know, you can't have seven players crashing, then you're left really vulnerable, but you can have a guy or two making those runs and, and it'll pay off. It will be a goal a game. No, but it, it'll pay off in the long run. They're really worth doing. So I was really impressed with, with that from Frog Park. Awesome. All right. Before we move any further, got to shout out our friends over at ninth street soccer and coffee. Eli, you're not up here in Minnesota. So I take it. You have never been to ninth street, right? Uh, no, actually, I, I do live on 8th Street in Columbia, Missouri. I can look out my window and see 9th Street, uh, but we do not have 9th Street soccer and coffee here. Oh, man, you are missing out. Uh, it's a out. golden opportunity. 9th Street's right downtown here. It's, you know, perfect spot on a college campus. I'd love to go play. Let me tell you, you are missing out, my friend. 9th Street soccer and coffee, 801 Southeast 9th Street in Minneapolis. I'm going to say that again. 801 Southeast 9th Street in Minneapolis, the coolest soccer experience you may ever have in your life and that is i'm not i'm not shooting too high here i'm not over over uh over promoting this this place is awesome um also if you're big on playing pickup if you're a big pickup soccer guy or you want to kind of get in maybe maybe you're a little bit out of shape like me maybe you're still kind of got those quarantine pounds on great way to work it off no matter your skill level is playing some pickup soccer and you can do so unlimitedly i don't even know if unlimitedly is a word but i'm making it a word right now eli 35 dollars unlimited pickup membership right now at ninth street soccer and coffee it's five dollars per session but if you're somebody who's going to want to get out there every day every week kind of get on that pickup grind so to speak 35 bucks a month for unlimited pickup at ninth street soccer and coffee sessions are tuesday wednesday and thursday at 7 p.m or If you're working remotely and you got some time on your lunch break and you live close to 801 Southeast 9th Street in Minneapolis, hop on over for some lunchtime pickup on Tuesdays and Thursdays at noon. 9thStreetMPLS.com. Again, 9th Street all spelled out. You can see it right here. MPLS.com. Or you can go to the Open Sports app and look up 9th Street there. And that is how you get enrolled for pickup, whether you want to do the one session for $5 or the $35 unlimited pickup at 9th Street Soccer and Coffee. The address, once again, 801 Southeast 9th Street in Minneapolis, 9thStreetMPLS.com. I am very much overdue for a visit to 9th Street Soccer and Coffee. And they are getting their like coffee shop implemented there very, very soon. And that is not the only kind of big expansion. I wouldn't say expansion, but big inclusion that they have coming up to Night Street Soccer and Coffee. I've been sworn to secrecy on some of this stuff. Being that they're sponsors of the show, I kind of get looped in, right? Um, which is great, but I, I cannot tell you everything that's happening at Night Street Soccer and Coffee coming up. But I'm telling you, it's pretty freaking awesome. So NightStreetMPLS.com, 801 Southeast Night Street in Minneapolis. 
Great place. Love love Night Street Soccer and Coffee. Derek and the guys over there are awesome. Sounds better than a gym membership, if you're asking me. Thirty five bucks a month for way better than a gym membership. Do you want to pump iron? Do you want to? Do you want to like be that guy who's waiting at the squat rack for this dude who's sweating all over it and you know whatever? No, no, you don't want to do that. You want to go play some pickup soccer over at Night Street Soccer and Coffee. Do you want to get on a treadmill and run on a treadmill for twenty five minutes, or do you want to play pickup soccer? You want to play pickup yeah. soccer, Ninth Street Soccer and Coffee, NinthStreetMPLS.com. Yeah. All right. So let's get into some of these uh, questions. Again, if you have a question or a comment on tonight's match, or you have a question or comment on Eli's awesome hair and mustache, we accept those as well. You can hit us up on YouTube, on Twitter. Just drop it in the chat. We will get notified here, and uh, we will read it on the air, like this one from Dave Valensky. Says, I've never been so disappointed after a tie. We should easily have won this game five to one. Um, there were some chances, there were opportunities, especially late in that first half after the Fragapane goal. The gates really opened up, and there was a solid chance for Minnesota to get a second before half. But then also, when you look at the end of the match, you know, the inclusion of Ethan Finley, Emmanuel Reynoso, Ramon Abila. Just some great counterattacking play there that led to some golden opportunities, like three A plus scoring chances that just somehow, some way, did not end up in the back of the net. So the run of play would have been different if they would have got one of those goals before half for sure. So maybe they don't get that same at the end of the match. But yeah, I mean, there were, aside from the goal, at least four or five other solid scoring chances that went astray for Minnesota tonight. Yeah, and, and I I disagree with the comment a little bit in that for me personally, I've never been more encouraged by a one-one draw. Like mm-hmm. it it should have been more goals. And I'm trying to look up the XG number for the game and I'm not immediately seeing it, so I'll give up on it. Um but yeah, it, it was a, a really, really good attacking performance from Minnesota United. And I think, you know, Reynoso should have converted at least one of those shots at the end the second the one, one. That you, second yeah, one. Yeah. Oh my god yeah you know those are <laughs> those are ones that you really really expect him to do and i guess here total team xg uh minnesota ended with 2.6 expected goals dallas at 0.9 so they did about the same and, you know single game xg is kind of a 2. bad 2. Six to 0.9 yes yeah wow yeah and i guess i'm, I'm looking now that that reynoso miss at the end there i think this is the first one uh, it looks like it only had an XG of 7.5%. So it's so really not that great in all honesty. Um, I, I thought it looked better. But yeah, you know, it maybe five to one's an exaggeration, but two to one, sure, three to one, three to the one. Stats yeah. Would, yeah, the stats would support that conclusion. Um, mm. But the chances were there. And and here's the thing with, with the finishing win and stuff like that. You know, that tends to, that evens out in the long run. You know, XG is a, bad stat in the one game situation it's a great stat in the season long thing so if the opportunities are being created they will continue to be created throughout the year and they will tend to be finished in the long run uh, so i'm i'm encouraged because the creation was there the looks were there the system the system was there the personnel was there i'm really encouraged and you know this is the first time minnesota United have ever gotten a point in dallas frankly yeah. when's the last time they got a point in texas Oh man, 
I don't, I don't know. Maybe I, I, again, I'm not, I mean, I'm not a Minnesota United historian. As we, if you've listened to Pod on Uloons this week, we did Minnesota United trivia, and uh, you, you know how much of a historian in Minnesota United I am not from that. So I don't know. But recently, they have not. Got, I know they blew a two nil lead, and I think they got a draw last year. I, I don't think they lost that match. I think they. It was 2-2, not 3-2. So they may have gotten a point in Houston last year, but they had a 2-0 lead at half, I believe. So, yeah. The, the, did it end at 2-2? Yes, yeah. Right. In October of last year, 2-2 yep. um, against – or, sorry, September. Home and away, it was 2-2 against Houston. Um, yeah. So, yeah, September of last year, they've gotten a point against Houston. And either way, they don't perform well in Texas. <laughs> Let's no. just say that. Historically, they do not perform well in Texas. So, yeah, I think you'll take any points you can get. But uh, I, I do agree with Dave to a point that, that the three points were there for the taking tonight. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, NWB says, Dotson looked great in the 10 roll. Reynoso starts at home. So where will Dotson be? Um, I would like to see more Hassani Dotson. Um, again, we've had this conversation since the preseason. Does that mean he starts? I don't know. Just because I say I want more of Dotson doesn't necessarily mean that he has to start in order for us to get more of Dotson. Um, I, I would rather see him play 35, 40 minutes of where he's going to thrive than 75, 80 of a position he's not necessarily comfortable in, even though he's he kind of is that Swiss Army knife. Um, what do you think about that, Eli? Yeah, I, I think I, I struggle to find places for Hassani Datsun. Um, when I'm looking at you know what my ideal starting 11 is, I'm looking first at the attacking personnel. And obviously, you want Unu at the top, then I think you want Fragapane. And I think you want Nico Hansen and you want to get Reynoso in there too. So you put him at the 10 and suddenly you're looking, okay, this is probably going to be a four, two, three, one shape, which I think is good. Um, so that leaves you two midfield spots. And one of them's got to be your number six. That's going to be yeah. Will Trap after tonight. I'm convinced of that. Lock him in if he can play like he did tonight. That other spot in, you know, an, an ideal everybody's here situation, that's Jan Gregus. And I don't think there's a debate. Obviously he's out of contention for right now. So are you looking at, Ja'Cory Hayes or Hassani Dotson for that other spot. After tonight and most of what I've seen, I'm kind of leaving Ja'Cory Hayes because I kind of like Dotson as an off-the-bench guy. He's sort of like sort of an Ethan Finley in that he brings that kind of energy and intensity and, and scrappiness to the midfield, which can be really, really valuable in those final 20-25 minutes when it can get scrappy and sometimes you need to be able to bring in a midfielder who can get you a yellow card because one of your midfielders already has the yellow card. You need that sometimes. Um, so I... I I, I disagree with the commenter that, that Dotson looked great in the 10 spot um, just because he didn't really play the 10 spot too much. You know, when you're going to 4-3-3, three, three, um, you yeah. kind of play two number eights, and two number eights don't make a 10. Um, so, so yeah, I'm I'm inclined to think Dotson's left out. Obviously, he's an incredibly versatile player who will still get his fair share of starts for people, and we do want to see more time uh, of, of him on the pitch. I'm just not sure if that's in the starting lineup when you're looking at how can we get the best 11 players in a shape that suits them. Yeah. Dotson to me did not look bad at all tonight. Like he, no, was, no, not, he, did not uh, look bad. He, he was not, he was not kind of going against what the club was doing. Um, but as you mentioned earlier and kind of that four, three, three, even if he's at the top of that midfield triangle, he's not really in an impact role, right? He's in more of like a facilitation type role i guess if he's in that spot so he is not going to he's not going to score a banger from that role he's not going to really provide any direct impact in the attacking third if he's in that role 
So again, that's the role he's he he played tonight. I think he played that particular role well. You're right; it's not necessarily a number ten. He's a third defensive midfielder in that role. But I do think that for what he was asked to do tonight, I do think he did it well. But again, that's kind of just the role that he's in. And then again, it goes back to the question: Is that the role where Hassani Dotson brings you the most value? Mm-hmm. You know, that's 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 the question with Hassani. And I think that's a question when you talk about any position with Hassani, you know, where is he going to provide the most value? And does that, though, also coincide with where Minnesota United needs him to play, too? It's a, a lot of questions that come with that. They're great, great questions and great problems to have. But that's kind of where we're at with with Hassani Dotson right now. Yeah. And, and I think when I look at Hassani Dotson, he's a very good player who I think his foremost trait is just his versatility that you can put him anywhere in the midfield. You can even throw him on the wing. If you need to, you can put him at either fullback spot and he's going to be fine there, but he's not one of the players who, if I'm designing the Minnesota United tactical system, who I'm building a role around, whereas, you know, up so many of the players in the 11, now you can kind of build that role in, in Hassani can come in and fill a lot of those roles, but you're not designing for Hassani Dotson's skill set. And so that makes it more difficult to really find him a spot. So for me, you know, he, he comes in and he's fine in these games, you know, he just, he sort of disappears. Like he, he's not really great. He's not really bad. And that's, that carries a certain value. You need players like that. And you really love having players like that who can do that in a lot of situations. But yeah, I'm just, I'm not building a spot in the 11 um, with a Hassani Dotson size hole in it. Jacob Schneider. Good friend. Wow. A Thank you, Jacob. Nice stash, Eli. I like it. Thank you, Jacob. Jacob, when are we going to get a stash from you? That's the real question. I want to see what a Jacob Schneider stash looks like. Yeah, you know, Jeremy, you got to get him lined up for the show so that I can tune in and see his stash. Yeah, it's we, had, we had him on last time. He yeah. definitely was not rocking the stash last time. No, so. no, I, I, I tuned in for the last one. There, there was no stash. Present no stash. stash Zero out of ten. Locked a stash. Mm. So, Jacob, Jacob, got to get you a stash, man. Okay. That, that's your that's your summer homework. His stash is blind. Convenient excuse. Convenient yeah, excuse. yeah. If you grow it well enough, it'll show. Mm-hmm. There's it'll hair show. dye. Worst case, get some Sharpie on there for the, you know, right before you go. Yeah, Eli, Eli can hook you up with his hair dye guy or the whatever yeah. brand he uses, and you'll be yeah. good to go. So come on, that, come on that, that's Jacob. We'll 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 treat you nice. <laughs> All right, so let's get into some of these kind of game notes and bigger observations. Um, first half actually started with a, a golden opportunity for FC Dallas. Um, O'Brien cuts in on the right foot, clear shot on goal from outside the box, doesn't hit it quite right, roll, rolls right at Miller. And then in the eighth minute, before Fragapane gets a goal, he gets a near goal, uh, sends a one-time left footer just, just wide off that deflected cross from Dotson. And then uh, before the goal in the 36th minute, kind of Obreon gets in behind the loons. Defense receives a nice through ball, puts a point-blank shot wide. Flag was up up for offside anyways. And then you get the goal in the 36th minute. So it was, it was Obreon for Dallas and Fragapane for Minnesota United kind of exchanging opportunities uh, in that first half where obviously Minnesota United gets the better of that on the goal. I do want to talk about the goal in detail a little bit here. We had mentioned it kind of uh, what led to it before, but starts off with a great turnover created in midfield by Ja'Cory Hayes. Then he runs, uh, he, he he takes the ball up all almost to the outside of the box, to the edge of the box, sends a nice pass into Adrian Unu, 
Um, and as we already mentioned, Unu receives, turns, and fires a beautiful right-footed curler that's going away from the keeper. And that is key because that is what caused not, you know, not a that, that's what caused the rebound. That's what caused the keeper to have to deflect it instead of trying to wrangle it in. And what led to the tap in for Fragapane? This Unu Fragapane combination. We talked about the whole front three tonight, including Nico Hansen, was was played really, really well individually and together cohesively. But specifically, the new pieces, Unu and Fragapane, tonight made me very, very excited for those two specifically, kind of the magic they can create together. And then when you put Emmanuel Reynoso right in there behind him in a 4-2-3-1, I mean, the, the possibilities are endless, right? Yeah, it, it's, it's why tonight was so encouraging. But w- what I really loved about the goal was the game plan that it embodied, that it was takeaway, dribble, low, high-efficiency ball, great shot, pounce on the rebound. Those are all things that, like, if you can do those consistently in counterattacks and possession, goals are going to happen. And, and it also it was the perfect way to deal with Dallas, especially in the first half, because Dallas came out of the gate with so much intensity, so much speed. They were man-marking, which is really, really weird. Because mm-hmm. I didn't know Dallas was a team that had man marking in them. I, this was the first yeah. FC Dallas game I think I'd, I'd watch. But at, you know, at first it, it caught me by surprise. Through the first couple minutes, I was like, "Man, it almost looks like they're man marking." And then I, they showed kind of a, a wider angle, and they, they were actually man marking it. I was surprised. And mm. the way you beat man marking is by dribbling. Usually, it starts with a center back. Because I'm going to go kind of in depth here on man marking, but I want to talk about it because Minnesota United does it really, really well and have consistently. Usually you have one of your center backs free when a team is man marking you because they leave one of their center backs free as sort of a last line of help defense. So if you can have that center back drill up into space, eventually somebody has to leave their man to go defend that center back. That's an open guy and you start creating these defensive rotations that you can exploit. So when you take the ball off of a player, instead of, you know, some teams will try to pass right away. And the hard thing with man marking is finding people to pass to because Usually they're they're only you know half-ish open and it's hard to pass to a not so open target. So when you can dribble the ball, then you're advancing into space, you're gonna force somebody to come off of you, which is gonna allow you an open pass. And it, it's just it's masterfully played as far as the game plan. And and that's gonna work too against teams that aren't man marking you. And dribbling into space is just a huge thing because again, you're forcing those switches, you're forcing people to get onto you, whether they're marking man, zone, whatever. Man. it's a great game plan and it was exemplified in that goal so perfectly i'm not sure i've ever seen a medicine edited goal that's so much of the game plan in one play that's just the epitome of it um adrian heath when he watches that on film has got to be so happy Um, i'm assuming those were his directions if not the team just kind of you know took control of it and and did their thing but yeah it it was just the, the perfect antidote especially because dallas once the first 15 or so minutes went away and, you know, those kind of initial strategies fade out, you kind of settle into the the bleh part of the first half, you know, you yeah. just kind of roll in. Like the man marking started to fall off. It's not the first, you know, OMG soccer for the first time in three weeks. I have so much energy. I can run for days. It's kind of the like, oh, yeah, man, soccer's tiring. And you yeah. kind of, you know, more <laughs> space starts to form in there. The The you're not adhering to your man as much. There start to be more opportunities. And, th- and that's where the goal ended up happening was in the throws of the first half, not really right away, but those were those opportunities in there, the game plan working against the man marking. I don't remember how we got to this discussion, but I took it in that direction because I wanted to, Jeremy. Well, we were talking about the goal specifically. Oh, okay. It was a good goal. 
It yeah. was a really good goal. Yeah, absolutely. It was. Uh, anytime Minnesota United faces somebody who's man marking, that's not San Jose. It just it seems weird to me. Just yeah. going back to man marking. Yeah. But uh, anyways, um, we are on for another probably 10, 15 minutes, guys. So if you have a question, comment on the match, drop it in the chat, whether you're watching on Twitter or YouTube, we'd love to respond to it. Um, we've had a few different questions, comments tonight, so we appreciate those. But we'd love to get your thoughts on the 1-1 draw. So moving further in these game notes, because there were some uh, some other notable things that happened. Um, 47th minute, uh, chance for FC Dallas off the right foot of Pepe. Miller kind of gets an awkward hand to it. Like, I don't know if it was a I can't I haven't had a chance to look back at it. So I don't know if it was a knuckler or if he just didn't see it right or whatever it was, but and it, it should it looked like it should have been an easy catch for him, but he made the decision to sort of swat it away. Luckily, Obreon was was just a, a step or two behind. Um, otherwise it would have been almost a, a same exact tap-in situation as we saw in the Fragapane goal. But um either way, we stay level after that. And then um 61st minute. This is something I kind of want to discuss here. Gasper and Obreon both go up for an aerial ball. Gasper gets to it, but gets undercut a bit by Obreon. Both players go down. No card given. The weird thing is you start hearing the chants in the stadium for VAR in this situation. And if VAR is going to be brought in in this situation, Gasper clearly was the first one to the ball obviously jumped way higher than Obreon did to get his head to it. And Obreon was the one who undercut Gasper, if anything. I'm not saying it was egregious. It wasn't. There should not have been a card given. I think it was, uh, you know, clean, not necessarily a clean play, but I think it was a, you know, you, you can live with that sort of play all the way through. But to call for VAR in this situation, if you're going to bring VAR in, that only one at risk to get carded in that situation is Obreon. And if you're going to VAR, you can't you can't give a yellow card off VAR. You're only going straight red there. So by calling for VAR, you're like opening up the small likelihood that your player gets sent off in that situation, not Chase Gasper. Yeah, that, I was I, I chuckled out loud because I was watching the Dallas broadcast. Uh, no, no, Bali Bali Sports North um, for me down in Missouri, and I'm watching on ESPN Plus, so it's the home broadcast. And and the Dallas commentators too were talking about this initially as if it was a penalty. And then I heard the VAR chant and I, no, no, there was no shout for a penalty. You know, I understand. I, I understand. You know, I understand the fans. You see your guy go down in a challenge in the box and you're like penalty, penalty, penalty. You know, the, the commentators who were watching this from a comfy view and had monitors with camera angles, you know, nice. that's not as good, but yeah, this, this, I disagree with you a little bit, Jeremy, about the no card being the right verdict. I think O'Brien actually deserves a yellow here because it's just, he, he makes no attempt at the ball. When you watch it, his shoulder goes right for Chase Gasper's hip. I think the yeah. only reason he doesn't get a yellow card is because he unfortunately for himself got elbowed in the head for going there, which he fully mm -hmm. deserves. Going low on an aerial challenge is so dangerous because mm -hmm. it completely throws off the guy who actually goes up and goes for the ball. It completely throws off his ability to control his landing. Suddenly, mm -hmm. he's landing wherever the other guy tackles him to. And, you know, it, it's like, it's the it's sort of like, you know, when you're in football and you have the partner turner who just gets, forgets to fair catch it or doesn't fair catch it and gets blasted by the gunner going down the field. Yeah. You lose all control there. You just, you're a, a victim to the guy tackling you. And the problem, you know, if O'Brien doesn't get elbowed in the head and Gasper lands awkwardly, right, it's a yellow card to O'Brien. Yeah. 
if O'Brien gets accidentally elbowed in the head because he goes low, all of a sudden it's not a yellow card. You know, if it's going to be a yellow card, it should always be a yellow card. It shouldn't be, yeah. you know, whether or not the player looks like he gets hurt. So to, for me, it's a yellow card because it's a dangerous and reckless play. Um, kudos to the Dallas fans for trying to spin it as, um, as you know, a, a yeah, penalty. I guess, like, I guess if, A for effort. In that situation, yeah, you right? know, I mean, you've got really, you know, you've really got nothing to lose. And if you make the ref think it's a penalty enough, maybe, maybe you might get a penalty. I don't know. That's probably not the most reliable strategy. But um, but certainly not a penalty. I think if if anything, kind of a, a lucky break for Obregon that uh, it happened the way it did, and that he got elbowed in the head because he uh, yeah. he avoided a caution there. I think. And and the only other thing I want to say on it is is you see Obregon not go up like like mm-hmm. it was an intentional decision for him not to try yeah. to go up with Gasper. I don't think he was necessarily attempting to undercut. I think he was trying to like eat contact and try to sell a penalty in that situation. But either way, you're, you're right. Kind of a dangerous move by him. Um, I, I, I guess you've kind of sold me on the card. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have. Hesit- I wouldn't have minded seeing a card. Although I do always sort of lean on like the let them play. You know, like sort of like you know, uh, you know, if there's contact, you know, and it's incidental, and it's you know, I usually err on the side of letting it go. I know a lot of people don't don't agree with me on that, uh, but I'm a fan of Illinois basketball. And so Big Ten, Big Ten basketball, it's always let the boys play, right? So that to me is is kind of where I where I come from with that. But anyways, um, moving on from that, 67th minute, Ethan Finley and Ozzy Alonzo come on for Hanson and Hayes. Um, correlation, not always causation in the situation, but in the 68th, we get the FC Dallas goal. Um, and this, this did not become because this not come because of the substitutions, in my opinion. It became it came from the fact that Minnesota went super passive and super blocking in, park the bus, uh, you know, let's let's try to get out of this with a 1-0 win sort of mentality in that second half. Sloppy midfield play in the second half too. Um, so that's really what led to that Pepe goal. Beautiful left-footed shot from the right side of the box. Just, the yeah, you know, we talk about the defensive mistakes that go into that just because, you know, we're focused on the Minnesota United side of things. But if you're looking at this goal more objectively, it's just really good combination play from Dallas to get guys, you know, Debossi's hips were swung the wrong way and then he's fallen off, you know. When you can create passes that turn center backs into doing that, that's just good attacking there. This was a really, really good goal from Dallas. They fully deserve to uh, to have gotten a goal out of it. It was just that good. Yeah, that chip pass was gorgeous. Oh, in the, the finish, Yeah, I, I don't uh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it it was a it was a beautiful goal. Fully deserved. Very much so. Um, 70th minute, Loons almost get the lead back. Great cross from Finley, finds Unu, more able to make the save. Um, 74th, Ramon Abila and Emmanuel Reynoso on for Unu and Trap. And then 81st minute, the first golden opportunity for Reynoso. Great work between Abila and Reynoso there. Um, as, uh, as Ray sort of kind of deeks the defender in the box, Great crossover dribbling play on the ball, uh, but but somehow pulls a shot wide. Um, yeah. Ugh, yeah. Well, I'm looking at the XG stats now, and I realize I read the little chart wrong. Um, XG would say that Reynoso had a 56.65 chance of scoring from that spot with that shot. Um, obviously, that doesn't account for a lot of variables, but I, I think when we look at a player of Reynoso's quality, um, there's even more than a 56% chance that he should score that shot. Yeah. I'd say probably a 95% that 
that that shot should be at least on frame and not oh for sure 100 percent, it should be on frame yeah so yeah that's that's a missed opportunity you you do wonder a little if it's kind of a rhythm thing for reno so he's not the type of player who's used to coming off the bench mm-hmm. you know and obviously it's been a layoff so this is one of his first touches and kind of in uh an intense situation but yeah man if you're looking at one opportunity to turn this draw into a win it's that shot right there in the 80th it should have been a goal and then the 90th, Reynoso and Metnair break on the counter. This was beautiful. Reynoso, mm-hmm. gorgeous pass that hits Roman in stride. The on-ball work from Metnair here to set up the shot was something I don't you don't see from him very much. I mean, you see him break out and overlap well and sending crosses and do all that work in the attacking third, but just dribbling on the ball in traffic, you don't see him do very much in attack. Beautiful, set himself up for a great shot. This is a defensive player putting a shot on goal. It was hard. It was fast, but it was right at the chest and more. And uh, that was really, I, I, okay. That actually was not the, the last chance. 94th minute. This was the, this to me was the heartbreaker. So three on one breakout for the loons. How this happens if you're Dallas, I do not know. I, I guess they were probably pushing for the winner too. So never mind with that. But Finley streaks down the right, sends one in the middle to Reynoso. He also he also could have picked out Abila in that situation too. Reynoso gets a clean touch, kind of pops it up, beautiful, and shot goes just wide of the goal. And that yeah. was really that that was that was the the last shot of the game. As soon as as soon as Dallas goal kicked, it was over. Uh just kind of that in a nutshell. 81st, 90th, 94th minute, all golden opportunities. I mean. I, I kind of refer to Dave's uh, comment here earlier. I mean, sure, not five to one, but it, it is easy to see disappointments, you know, with that, with those chances being so late in the match and quality chances that could have led to a winner being so fresh in the mind after the match. Yeah. Like that's, that's tough to swallow, I think, a little bit. There were so many positives, but just those three quality opportunities at the end that all went astray. It's just, oh man, should have been three. It really, really should have. And and I've got two thoughts on what you just said. One, Roman Metner is a name that I don't think has come up until just now in our discussion, but he had a really, really nice game. He had kind yeah. of a, a classic Roman Metner performance. It's a lot of getting forward that we saw last year and makes him one of mm-hmm. the best right backs in MLS. We just hadn't really seen that earlier this year of him being able to get forward. I'm not sure if, you know, what was so different tonight. <laughs> But he was really, really being aggressive on that right flank, which is fantastic and awesome. So that was good to see. And he had some moments that you expect to see. Um, but also just from a viewing standpoint, the end of this game was so fun because I've been watching a lot of Euros over the last you know week and a half, like I think most people have. And with the whole you know three teams advancing out of some groups, we get a lot of really, really dull ends to draws that mm. you, know, you get the, the England-Scotlands where... You have a team like Scotland who's, you know, it's it's level going into the last 15, 20 minutes. Suddenly you're really looking forward to maybe being able to pull a point out of that fixture. And so you're sitting back and, and trying to draw a lot more. This tonight between Dallas and Minnesota was two teams who were absolutely trying to win this. And, you know, we're not trying to bunker. Minnesota had tried to bunker and it lasted all of like two minutes until their bunker caused a goal. And then suddenly mm-hmm. they had to kind of open themselves up again. Um so I, I think I appreciate defensive soccer and defensive blocks more than the average viewer does just because I think they're fascinating. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's just a tuning into the game. It's fun to see 
especially in stoppage time, they're like, you have one counter going the other way and another counter going the other way. Yeah. And that's a, that's a lot of fun. That's the it way is. you want to see a one, one draw. And even if we think Minnesota United deserve to have more goals, deserve to be the winners here, you know, you want to see both teams pushing forward at the end like that. Yeah. I mean, it was wide open there at the end. I mean, it was, it was yeah. counterattack to counterattack. It was almost like a game of FIFA uh, a little bit, which is exciting. Um, you know, you would hope that that the Loons could get that uh, get that last goal there to come away with a two one win. It was not to be, so they get they get a road point. Adrian Heath said it again after the game. You can you can never really be one hundred percent disappointed with a road point. I do think there is something to that as well. Um, so you're back at home now on Wednesday. This is significant. Home, uh, not home. Full capacity at Allianz Field. Well, near full capacity. They're going to have a couple distance sections, but. Uh, near basically full capacity to Allianz Field for the first time since the playoff loss to LA Galaxy two years ago. Um, that is going to be fun uh, against Austin, who had their own home opener tonight. Which was, if you haven't seen any of the the pregame highlights from that with Matthew yeah. McConaughey leading the the chant and stuff, just ex- I mean, I got I got goosebumps just just thinking yeah. about it. Like that was what incredible. a fun what a fun night for them. So I, I assume Allianz Field, well, well, that was pretty significant because that was their first ever match at that stadium. I think this is going to be kind of almost like a re reopening of <laughs> Allianz it, Field in, in a way. It's, it's, it'll be Pride Night, I think. Maybe. Yes, I believe I it, is, that. it is the Pride match, so, yeah. Yeah, so that, that's a lot of fun that for, for a special mm-hmm. night. You get to have the full, uh, you know, full crew back in the stadium for a good one. But also, yeah. you know, we talk about a road point tonight as well. So Minnesota United now sitting 11th in the Western Conference on eight points. Uh, but only four points off the last playoff spot, uh, which granted is occupied by Houston, whose game is still going against LAFC, I think. So there could be some shakeup there. But considering the abysmal start to the season, being four points off the distance. playoffs, yeah, yeah, that's very easy to make up. And again, considering just how bad those first few games were, you know, if you said back then that in a few games you'd be within four points of the playoffs, you absolutely take that. And, you know, it's part of there being seven playoff teams. It's kind of an, a, mm. an easier way to get in. But, um, yeah. you know, a point on the road. Well, Take disappointing it. tonight. Come September or October, I don't think we'll be too mad about this one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, Wednesday against Austin, near full capacity, Pride Night at Allianz Field. June 26th at Portland. That's next Saturday. And then home against San Jose the following Saturday on July 3rd. So, uh, we go Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday here, but then you get the full week until the uh, matchup with the Earthquakes, who Minnesota United traditionally do very, very well against San Jose and their man-marking mm-hmm. system, as you are uh, uh, an expert on now, Eli. So um, that'll be a fun one. Uh, and again, post-loons after all of these matches, still trying to figure out. I don't think we'll get it figured out for the Austin match, considering it's so close, but Maybe try to figure out, at least from my end, how to do post-loons from Allianz Field for home matches. We'll see. It's kind of in the works. I need to reach out to Minnesota United and and see if logistically there's a way we can make that happen. Because I don't want to be the guy yelling in the press box while Andy and Jerry are trying to you know write their post-game stories. I don't want to be that guy. But I do think it would be kind of cool to maybe be at Allianz for that. So we will see if we can make that work. Uh, but thank you so much for tuning into Post Loons tonight. As always, thank you so much to our good, good sponsors at Night Street Soccer and Coffee, NightStreetMPLS.com to learn more about them. And thank you, Eli Hoff. Appreciate it as always. The first three-time guest on Post Loons. Oh, 
it's it's a hat trick, I guess. I'm honored. I think this is the first time this season that we've actually had something encouraging to say. Yeah. Because I remember coming on two times early in the season when it was rough to watch. Um, yeah. So I'm just excited to have finally gotten a decent game. Maybe maybe the next time I come on, they'll actually win. But they you know, were, were baby, baby steps, steps. Baby steps. Yeah, you got to crawl before you can walk, Eli. So. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, thank you so much, man. Appreciate it. Thank you all for watching, commenting. Uh, If you're listening on the podcast afterwards, thank you so much for doing that. And we will catch you next time, Wednesday night on Post Loons. Baxter, thank you, man. We appreciate it. Have a good one. Bye.